Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Unfollowing Mum. Today I have a guest with me who I've known for a little while, I think, across Instagram. And I'm really pleased to have them here today. So I have Cara McBee. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm good, you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for being here. For people who don't know you, who've not come across you before, can you tell them a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what you're coming to chat to me about today? Yeah, hi, so I'm Cara, um, I'm a content creator, I talk about uh, body positive stuff, being part of the LGBTQ community, being a mum, mental health, just just life stuff really. Yeah, it is life stuff, isn't it? And I think sometimes those really big topics, we forget how just intertwined with life they actually are, like they're the things that we talk about, but that is generally just life, just day-to-day life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's just me plodding along trying to figure myself out as I go. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's that's the same for everybody. I think we've talked a little bit and I, you've mentioned a few bits about your experiences growing up. And there is that real kind of once you get to this place where you're more comfortable with yourself, trying to then figure out who you actually are when you've never really been yeah. allowed to explore that and develop that yeah. sense of self. So can you tell me a little bit about your experiences growing up? Yeah, so I uh, I was raised by a single mum. Also lived with my nan a fair bit because uh, my mum had to work and stuff like that. Um, my dad was was in and out. That was problematic. He struggled with addiction and stuff like that. Um, so that obviously put additional stress on my mum. And then we ended up basically being the sort of emotional support, but also a bit of a punching bag for my mom and the stresses that she was going through so that wasn't ideal and there was also um a lot of kind of you know trying to mold us into a certain way that I think looking back with hindsight my mum thought that's what would keep us all safe if we were all sort of tried to adhere to all the social norms and stuff like that um but actually it was very detrimental because there was in order to sort of keep that keep the real us from sort of bubbling out it was like there was a lot of control a lot of manipulation um and just bullying basically you know if you want to be really straight up about it just to try and be like keep us in check um and also for you know for ease for her it was like it was very much a sort of old school children should be seen and not heard kind of upbringing you know you mustn't have a personality you mustn't uh you know you mustn't talk too loudly you mustn't be a know-it-all you mustn't be this and it's just kids being curious kids but so growing up you know a lot of that got internalized into oh my god I'm a terrible person and that was just a recipe for disaster yeah we do tend at well and we talk about this a lot on the podcast how we internalize things as children And when you are told that the fundamental parts of you are not what necessarily fits with the societal norm, that then becomes a, well, I must be bad. There must be something wrong with Mm. me if I'm feeling this way or if I'm wanting to explore this part of me. That must mean there's something wrong with me as opposed to being able to look at it and go, 
well, hang on a minute. Maybe I just don't fit into that box that people are expected to fit into. And that's okay. I think we live in a society a little bit more now that is more accepting of people's differences and more accommodating for children to explore that when they have a healthy dynamic, but still very much, you know, there was a couple of weeks ago, I'd seen a a post that somebody had shared on Facebook that was like, it's really difficult for parents nowadays, you're not just teaching the birds and the bees, you've got to teach the bees and the bees and the birds and the birds, and then what if a bee wants to be a bird? And I just thought, what my initial thought was your eye roll of, oh, fuck off. But then the comments underneath it, and this was from somebody that I was at school with so you know you know what it's like on Facebook where you don't actually know these people anymore but you know you were at school with them like 20 years ago so they're yeah, still, not, yeah, yeah. still knocking about in the in the vicinity yeah. and I just thought god what small-minded thing but the comments the first comment underneath it was not in my fucking household if you want to be like that you can get out and I just thought it was telling how Yes, we've come a long way in certain instances, but there's still very, very many people who have that toxic mindset of you will fit into this particular norm. You will fit into this particular thing that I view as acceptable and therefore that's it. And if you don't fit that status quo in this particular instance, it was you can get out of my house. And the message that that sends to a child is huge and it, it, transcends across just their childhood to impact them so much oh, later yeah. on yeah absolutely I very much like from sort of doing my own sort of healing work and and trying to get this all sort of straightened out in my head and and stuff like that I've kind of I have I have in some ways for myself though not not for my mum but for me kind of forgiven some of it because I do think a lot of that sort of bullying into conformity is down to a fear of safety but what I think a lot of parents especially of that generation I'm I'm like an elder millennial my mom's like boomer generation especially from that generation I think what they've not clocked onto is the fact that they are having to participate in that sort of bullying in order to get their kids to comply and it's like if everybody just dropped that bullying it wouldn't feel unsafe to be a certain way you know it wouldn't feel unsafe to be queer or you know it, it, for example because I think that's what it's like oh god you can't my child can't be that I'm gonna have to bully them out of it because society will bully them out of it but it's like you're also doing that you're part of society you're contributing to it so what if we all just stopped doing that um so yeah I do I do think a lot of it comes down to fear but it's not an excuse it's a reason but it's not an excuse to look at your child and think my god there's something wrong with them I'm gonna have to beat it out of them you know, physically or emotionally or whatever. It's, that's not, there's never ever an excuse for it. You can find ways to sort of figure out why it's happened, but it doesn't excuse it. Mm, Absolutely. And you speak to people who are parents of people within the LGBT community. And a lot of them, especially of that generation, will tell you that they they felt a real fear when their child stepped forward. For the majority, Mm. there wasn't a case of, I don't accept you. There was a case of, I accept you, however, and I accept you, but I'm fearful of what this will mean for you. Or I'm, I'm worried about what will happen in your future. And I think as parents, toxic or not, it's normal for us to have those fears. But when Mm. we then continue to perpetuate the harm and we become the problem, that's when we find that real divide between the parents who are, yes, perhaps of that generation where they remember somebody being beaten up because they were gay. They remember somebody being murdered because they were gay. And and not to say that doesn't happen now, but that that was such a prevalent part of perhaps their upbringing and their memories and their trauma that they've never been allowed to explore either. And they feel yeah, like they need to exactly. pass that on. I think when we see the difference between that parent who acts upon that and then takes it upon themselves to try and, as you say, beat that out of their child, that's where we see that real breakdown in the relationship. So I know you've talked quite a bit about being non-binary. And when is it that you started to explore that side of yourself? Was that something that you ever explored when you were younger? Well, <sighs> It's it's a, it's tricky it's tricky in a way yes but I didn't have the language for that when I was younger I, I've all I've never been 
um, a sort of naturally feminine person, I guess. I don't really, I don't really kind of subscribe to the words masculine and feminine as really having much meaning in a way. I know people categorize certain traits along those mm-hmm. lines. Um, but as a kid, I was very much like, you know, told I, I walk too boisterously or, mm. you know, I'm too, I'm always showing my strength too much and I need to be a bit more dainty or I'm too loud or I'm too aggressive. I wasn't being aggressive. I was just, you know, standing my ground and being assertive and not taking any crap, you know. Yeah. But it was always like, dial yourself down, dial you're too much, you're too much. And I, I was always compared to boys. It was always like, you know, you're being, you're acting like a boy as mm. if this was some sort of criticism. And it was like, well, I'm just kind of being me, really. I don't really, I don't, I'm not, I never felt, I never felt like a boy either. I was just me. And I didn't like all these sort of restrictions and rules being placed upon me. Um, and I I kind of, I, I just didn't get it. I just didn't get it. And I fought against it a bit. And then at one point it kind of felt futile. And I thought, right, okay, I'm going to have to swing completely the other way and try and be as feminine as possible mm-hmm. to fit in as much as possible. But that wasn't, that didn't work either because the goalposts are always moving. Like whatever you do, someone's going to criticize it and say it's not enough. Um, and so in the end, I was just like, and especially once seeing seeing more information online and more people speaking about their own experiences of, of being non-binary, I was like, oh, I can kind of just identify as me then and not really a gender. That's cool. I think I'm going to do that now. Yeah. Um, and it's felt, re- it's felt really, really freeing really freeing but of course what comes with that is backlash from family which is Mm. unfortunate if they're not you know if they're not uh, accepting of that sort of thing um but I found with that it's it's not so much um at this you know at my big age of 37 now it's nothing to do with trying to keep me safe it's all about particularly my mum it's all about her self-image and oh my god I've got one of these one of these queer woke children well, she quite she quite affectionately referred to me as a dippy dyke, which was really wow. that was nice. <laughs> I was like, great, thanks, mum. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much like, oh god, I, I must distance myself from that. It's that mm-hmm. kind of thing. So that kind of it re it re knocked that thing where I said earlier I'd kind of like managed to feel a bit of forgiveness for the fact that a lot of her actions were born out of fear. But at that point, it was like, well, what are you fearing now? I'm, I'm a grown person. You don't need to be worried about that sort of thing anymore. Like, I don't really get why now you're acting like this is somehow an affront to you. Yes. But it doesn't have to affect you at all. Um, yeah, so that was, it, it was, it was coming out as non was a very freeing experience and still is. I still, I don't I have no regrets but it's it does come with a bit of grief there and another kind of wave when you think you've gotten over stuff there's like another wave of, mm-hmm. of of emotional stuff that hits you oh those waves I completely relate to that I think and it, it, we often think about healing as such a linear thing like we're sold this mm. myth aren't we of you know you go on this healing journey which suggests there's a destination and you're going to trot, trot along your yellow brick road towards this woo place where you're going to be yeah. feeling so much better and absolute bollocks. Like it's just not the yeah. reality <laughs> whatsoever. Healing is not linear. You might start to feel like you are really making progress and then swing your way right back to the beginning or right yeah. back to a different place where there's so much more work to do. And I think especially when we become parents ourselves, that's when we really start to notice things that are triggering to us, notice things that Mm. are perhaps from our childhood still lingering within us. And I thought it was really interesting what you just said there about the masculine and the feminine traits and how they are pushed on us. Because I noticed that Mm. a lot with my, my kids. I've got a daughter and I've got sons. And she's very much given the she's bossy, but he's assertive. Yeah. And these kind of little things that I think about if I'd have behaved the way she did, and I think I did behave the way she did quite a lot as a child, that would then be taken in a negative light and pushed out oh, yeah. and given a, and, uh, you know, from my experience, it was very much a case of you need to do what well, I think for my mum, it was, I think my dad found it 
embarrassing if I wasn't conforming to that pretty dainty little mm. girl that would sit in in the corner and be quiet and smile and play nicely with her dolls. Um, what little bits that he had to do with me. My mum almost encouraged it to be like you be yourself as much as possible but here's how I think you should be and then there was that subtle manipulation in the background of here's the things you should say and here's the way you should act so I never had that from my mum to be quiet or not to do but I feel like I was so much just her mouthpiece and that was really difficult growing up but when I look at my kids I do hear older relatives say things like well she's very bossy or Mm. oh look at you aren't you pretty and dainty and that kind of thing and it's interesting yeah. how we do push those things onto our children. And I, I noted as well, you'd said about being aggressive. I get that a lot now. Um, yeah. I get very much a, you're a very angry person, or I've really triggered you, <laughs> or you're really aggressive. And I'm like, I'm not aggressive. I've just told you in a very polite and articulate way to fuck off. Yeah. And I'm yeah. not being angry. I'm just challenging you. And I get this all the time on social media. Why has this Mm. angered you? Why has this triggered you? I'm like, it hasn't. But it's clearly difficult for you to accept somebody who challenges you. And I see it with my eldest, who's nearly 13 now, that when he challenges people, especially adults within a school setting, even if he does so in the most polite way, that's almost like, stamped out of him how dare you challenge an adult yes and I was having this conversation last night about respect your elders and how that's something that's a big no-no in our house we respect everyone and expect it back and if you're not giving it back don't expect it from me regardless of your age range you know and I think we often confuse respect with compliance and obedience and that's a huge I completely agree yeah that's a huge problem a hundred percent it's very much like no, I need to put you down a peg or two. Mm. That that and that's and that's what's still happening now, as you say on social media. Get the same thing. People are very much like, how dare you, sort of just stand up for yourself? How mm. dare you have the courage of your convictions? And again, I do think it comes down to that, as you hinted at it earlier, that kind of a jealousy almost. Like, well, I don't feel like I'm able to do that mm. without being policed, so I'm going to police you. But yeah, growing up, it was very much it was very confusing because. As I said, my mum was a single mum and part of part of the, the good parts of parenting were her sort of saying, you know, you don't, don't take any crap from anyone. However, if we were in a situation where I decided someone had, had upset me or crossed a boundary or, you know, invaded my space, anything like that, and I did put my foot down, if that, if I'd done it in a way that my mum found was embarrassing or unbecoming of, of a little girl, then I would get chastised. Yeah. And it's like, well, which is it? You told me to stand <laughs> up for myself. So I did. Now you're telling me I'm being a rude brat and I'm getting a slap. Like, I, I, I don't understand. Yeah. It's so confusing for a kid. And you get that. And I think still as adults and particularly as women or people who were raised to be women, it's a very similar message now. Like, yeah, go women, girl power, girl boss, this, that and the other. But not that way. Don't yeah. do it that way. Mm. be a bit calmer be a bit nicer be a bit more polite yes I know misogyny is a bit annoying but like don't don't be don't (laughs) be really loud about it otherwise we're never going to make change like stop it just let people process things the way they need to process them let people's reactions happen the way they need to happen um and yeah just stop just stop trying to tell people how to feel and how to process stuff that's the thing but yeah as as a kid it was all very very confusing because you never really knew you never really knew what was the right way to behave in order to receive that love that you thought it should have been a natural thing. Yeah. There was always, always rules and the rules were always changing. And so the head was just spinning. Yeah. It's that constant as children, we need to have that love from parents. It's a fundamental need. It's one, you know, we talked about Maslow's hierarchy before and how those needs are there. That's one of your fundamentals. It's like your base mm. layer for a child to be able to feel that love and that safety from a caregiver. And when the messages are constantly conflicting of you go, you do this, you do that, be yourself, but not to yourself. Oh, don't do it that yeah. way. And and dial that back in and conform a bit better. And let's let's give you this, let's do this. But also, you know, you're not being grateful for this. And I I found particularly for myself, because my mum was a single mum, there was a real sense of debt mindset because 
I'm a single mother and I've had to do all of this for myself. Therefore, you should be grateful and just accepting of any mistakes that I've made because I did my best. And actually looking back on it, no, she didn't. But also if that was her best, like that, that was pretty piss poor. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I had the same thing, definitely. It was very much like, you know, you owe me. Mm. You owe me. You wouldn't be here without me. I didn't have to have you. Um, there were always conversations about how, you know, my brother and I, we were accidents or, you know, that, that our dads pushed for abortions and, you know, I made I made the choice to keep you. And it's like, well, then act like you want it then, please. Yeah. It was always really like if if you made that choice, then why are you acting like you don't want it now? But that was the whole point of that conversation. It was to make us feel like, you know, we could have just been we could have just not existed. So it's like you have to be grateful for every minute you have on this earth and you have to be grateful to me. And therefore, you have to suck up every ounce of shitty behavior I throw at you. And that was the message and that was the manipulation. And it was it it just instilled this fear of, oh, God, I've always got to adapt and comply. And 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 you're just consistently you're just never on solid ground because as I say, the goalposts were always moving. You know, one day you could do something and it would get you a cuddle and the next day it would get you a slap. And it was just, there's no rhyme or reason to it. Except as a kid, you're constantly assuming there must be a reason for it. So you're constantly trying to figure it out. And yeah, it's just, you just don't know where you stand. No. And all of this goes on subconsciously as well. That's the thing. Our little brains are constantly ticker, ticker, ticking mm. away when we're kids. We're yeah. not even aware that we're having these thought processes, but we are aware that there's something not quite right there. And we are feeling yeah. that unsureness constantly. So your relationship with your mum now, you mentioned that she quite often comes out with comments like what was the one she called you a was it? She called me a dippy dyke a when dippy I came dyke. out as non binary. Right. Yeah, yeah, and I'm very much. I don't, we don't speak anymore. Mm. I, I when my my eldest was seven, he's nine now. Um, behavior started to change because when I, when my kids were born, when my eldest was born, I thought to myself, you know, things aren't great with mum and I, but let's let's give her a chance with her mm-hmm. grandchildren, you know. And for a long time, things were quite good, and I thought this is nice if he can have a grandma that's that's nicer than the mum I had I'm happy for him and obviously I was there ready to kind of jump in at any moment if Mm -hmm. I had saw any sign of sort of the similar stuff that I went through um and for a while it was good and then when I had my when I got pregnant with my second that's when things started to change and uh, and we also had COVID and and the lockdowns and stuff and that that changed the dynamic of things a bit I think my mum was feeling a bit isolated and whenever my mum's sort of feeling not great she'll lash out that's her yes. that's straight away it doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't matter at who doesn't matter there doesn't have to be a reason it's just I'm gonna lash out at you mm-hmm. and my my seven-year-old at the time he said oh I want I want to FaceTime nanny um I haven't seen her in a while so I said oh yeah sure so we FaceTimed and he was he was chit-chatting about video games and you know things that seven-year-old boys are interested in um and my mum was not interested in that and she was like oh this is a bit boring conversation haven't you got anything else to say I don't really care about video games Mm. so he just went blank and was like um I don't really know and he kind of glazed over and then she started just having a go at him like you don't care about me you're Mm. not interested in me so I snatched the phone and I said he asked to call you and you've done nothing but be rude Mm. I said this is going to stop right now and then it took me back to my childhood as well because it was all like, ooh, someone's being sensitive, that kind of manipulation. I said, no, it's not happening. You did it with me. You're not doing it with him. That's enough. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Nothing was said after that. And then there were a few more snide comments that came in either by text or things that she'd put online and stuff or things that I'd heard from other family members that she'd been saying and sniping and I just thought, you know what, the confusion in my son's face in that moment, like, what have I done wrong? But also he was hurt because he could see he'd upset her or felt he was responsible for upsetting her. Didn't know why I was completely confused. And that was the moment I thought that was my whole childhood right there. And I'm not having this for them. So I, at that moment, I backed off and I was like, that's it. You know, and unless there's unless I can see there's a sincere apology and changes are going to be made for them. She couldn't do it for us. If she could do it for them, fine. 
but no it didn't happen and things just got worse and so yeah we don't speak anymore but I hear on the grapevine little comments that come through and um according to her I'm just this brainwashed person part of the the woke wokerati or whatever she wants to call it so yeah they do come up with some cracking names for things like don't they I I mean the wokerati fantastic that is just brilliant but it just it underlines the absolute hilarity and nonsense of no hilarity is the wrong word because it's not funny you can laugh at it because it's so ridiculous but just how nonsensical it is and Mm. how because you are not part of what she would consider the norm or what her generation would consider the norm therefore there is something inherently wrong with that and that's that's mm. where that kind of using woke as a weapon as well as always really made me smile. I mean, the origins of it in it, it's it, yeah, it baffles me. And as if it's an insult to be woke, which essentially just means you yeah. want to be someone who doesn't cause harm to others. Like that's yeah, it's not really insulting to me. And yet that's how it's used. And it's a continual thing of, oh, well, you're not conforming to this norm. I think it's really interesting how you mentioned that you felt your childhood in that moment, because often when we do Mm. have these incidences as adults with toxic parents, you do go back to feeling like you're seven, eight. You go back to that moment when you were subject to that mocking as a child, you were subject to that U-turn of behavior and attitude and how it made you feel. And especially when you can see it repeated towards your child and you think, why would you do that? Why would you want to make him feel that way when he wanted to reach out and ring you? And it's funny that you'd said about it being during COVID times, how when there was this feeling of isolation or this feeling of being unhappy, she would lash out. I feel like my my relationship with my mum also broke down in COVID times. And a lot Mm -hmm. of people that I speak to, I feel like that's a very similar story for them. And either because they suddenly realized how freeing it was to not have to go and see parents or to not have to be in their presence and to just perhaps have the occasional phone call. And they thought, hang on a minute, how much happier do I feel? How much calmer do Mm -hmm. I feel not having you in my life? Maybe there's something in this. Or their parent lashed out because their parent was feeling a certain way and they'd recognized as adults, hang on a minute, you've always done this. You've always lashed out. Yeah. When you are unhappy, you've taken it out on me. And there's the old saying of you hurt the ones you love the most when you're feeling hurting. And actually, there's a toxicity in that. And we yes, can acknowledge I agree. Yes, we do lash out at the ones closest to us, partly because of proximity, partly because we feel safe to lash out with them because we have that bond there. We don't we perhaps don't know how other people would react. There is a psychology in it, and I get that. Mm. But the fact that it's accepted and just given as a, well, you lash out at the people that you love the most. No, thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. That that whole hurt people, hurt people thing, mm. it, it, it's it's not an excuse as I said before it might be a reason as to why somebody's behaved poorly but it's not an excuse and and I've been there myself I've done that especially growing up when I was especially during adolescence I guess um and possibly even into my 20s being quite young still figuring things out still under that influence of my mother as well I was very much still a confused hurt traumatized person and I definitely lashed out and was a Mm -hmm. dickhead basically to a lot of people um and so, yeah, looking back, that might be a reason for my behaviour, but it's not an excuse. And if people want to look at me and say, oh, fuck Cara, she's a dickhead, that is fine because I was a massive dickhead. Yeah, I'm not yeah. ever going to be like, oh, well, you know what? Can you please forgive me because I was really hurt back then? No, it, that's not for me to do. And that's and that's not for them to have to forgive me. Do you know what I mean? I, I just, yeah, I, I think that phrase needs needs to die or at least just have the caveat of, reason a reason is not an excuse that's what I always come back to but yeah with with the COVID thing this was another sort of indication because I mean I'd kind of throughout my adult life I moved out when I was 17 throughout my adult life I'd always had periods where I was like that's enough I have to just stop stop talking to mum and as you say every time I felt that relief but then there was always a guilt that brought me back and then when COVID happened, I was we, at my, we were driving around, making sure she had meals, dropping off at the doorstep, all that stuff, FaceTiming as much as we could. We really bent over backwards to try and take care of her, um, which to her was just expected. 
this mm. is what should happen everyone should be rallying around um but you know I've I've got my two younger kids my brother's a really busy guy like it wasn't easy for us to do that and we did it I would say out of love there was an element of love there but it was mostly guilt like she's on her own we're the only ones she's got to take care of her let's sort it out but it was it was that kind of that appreciation didn't go both ways you know for her it was this is what you should be doing and if we weren't doing it to her taste enough we thought we were doing loads but to her it wasn't enough and it was another indication of like with this woman whatever we do we can shower her with love and appreciation take her to all the places do all the things give her all the cuddles it's never but it was never enough as kids and it's still not enough now Mm. and that's all we're always playing a game of chase yeah and where does it end it doesn't and like I said when I saw my son's face it's like he's never going to be good enough for her and that's not okay in my eyes because he is absolutely good enough he's perfect and so is my youngest and I'm not having them be made to feel by someone who's supposed to love them unconditionally that they are not enough absolutely not it is that it is that very much thing of nothing you do is good enough nothing you do Mm. is ever enough and one of the most toxic things that we can have is that feeling of not enough it's Mm. one of the bases for all of the different things that we may feel be it depression be it trauma whatever it is it always links back to a feeling of not being enough and the truth is when you have a toxic parent that's the fact of it it isn't enough because their expectations and their entitlement is too high. It's it's things that is completely unachievable for anyone. Uh, like your son there wanting to talk about video games. Yeah, that probably is a really boring conversation. I have it all the time with yeah. my nearly 13-year-old. Like, <laughs> it's boring. But you sit there and you're like, yeah, cool, because it's yeah. not boring to them. And, you know, you, I'm sure my partner finds it boring when I'm wanting to talk about psychology and things because it does not interest him at all. Yeah. But he's interested in how I'm feeling about that because he cares yeah. about me. I'm not interested in football, but I'll listen to him talk about it until he's blue in the face because mm. I care about how he feels about it. And we can share yeah. each other's passion and each other's interests without having to have that interest. And that's what yeah. a reciprocal relationship would be like. But when you have somebody who is toxic and just feels entitled and as well, that entitlement to you always doing these things, there's an entitlement to that forgiveness if they do step yeah. out of line. And I think that entitlement and it, it is entitlement is that you will, regardless of, of what they've done, turn around and sort of say, oh, well, you know, I forgive you because you're my mum. I forgive you because you did this. So therefore I have to forgive you. And it just doesn't work that way. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, it, it doesn't go both ways. You know, where, whenever we were told we were out of line as kids and, and that could have been anything from actually doing something bad to just farting in the wrong direction. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it didn't take much some yeah. days. But that was never, we never got that forgiveness or mm. that, you know, okay, you know, you've messed up a bit. There's been a mistake. Come here. Let's sort it out together. Let's, let's figure this out together. There was never that. It was very much a, whoa, you've, no, go away. You've, you fucked up. Mm. That's it. I reject you now. Uh, it was never, there was never that grace given to us as children. So to feel like we have to give that back is also, I, I grew a lot of resentment around that because it was like, why, why doesn't this work both ways? I get it. If that's how, if that's the rule you want to instill, which is basically, doesn't matter how much I fuck up, how much I flare up, how much I abuse you, you need to give me grace and forgive me. How come when our behavior as the children in the relationship, so the power dynamic there for a start, yeah. like we're the children even as adults, we're the children. It's like, if you have deemed what we've done to be a fuck up, where's that grace for us? You're not extending that. You're not sort of saying, okay, I get it. I understand. I'm not going to take it personally. Let's let's come back in. Let's discuss this. It was very much like push you away and do everything I can to push you away, which was to be very cruel and nasty. Yeah. Um, yeah, not not a good, not a good basis for a relationship at all. 
no it's not and once somebody starts to develop their own identity that's when you feel that real pushback against that because they start to look at things and realize how much of a power imbalance there is and realize how Mm. this is not reciprocal and relationships regardless of of who it's with is meant to be reciprocal yeah I think as well I think for my mom there was definitely part of it was entitlement but also I think again generationally there was this expectation that children will grow up to love you unconditionally as well and so when there was pushback from us as we got older and as we began to feel like her behavior towards us wasn't right and we did sort of push back a bit as much as we could within the zones of how fearful we were there was very much a kind of like whoa this is not how things are supposed to go instead of sort of pausing to evaluate what was going on excuse me it was it was immediate an immediate jump to no you are the problem there's mm. something wrong with you here because you're not giving me the love yours I've been promised that I would have from children mm. but as children we also have that expectation of like well mums are supposed to just love us aren't they they're supposed to just you know take care of us no matter what love us no matter what for all of our all of our perceived flaws and that and that wasn't happening so it was such a it was such a weird um clash because it's like you, we both want the same thing, really. We both want to be loved unconditionally, but you're the one setting the rules here. We're trying to play by the rules, and then it's not going both ways. Yeah, absolutely. Just rerouting, when you came out to your family, did you have contact mm. with your mum for a period of time, or did you come out after you'd cut contact? It was after. It was. Yeah, after. it was after. It was yeah. after. So she only would have heard about it from see it because it I've tried to block her from everything but she still stalks me online so that's how she would have seen it um but yeah she then had plenty to say to other family members about it yeah and other family members is that people that she knows you have a positive relationship with or are these people that she's sending as flying monkeys to kind of say to you you should talk to your mum and this kind of thing or how does that work there's there's nobody really now who tries to sort of tell me oh you should you should talk to your mum I've had a couple of I've had a couple of weird Facebook requests from people I've never met or don't know who've tried to send me messages like you know they've obviously got to know mum fairly recently and they've only got her side of the story Mm. to the point where they felt the need to come to a stranger to them and say oh I think you know don't think you've behaved very well. What a horrible daughter and all this stuff. <laughs> That's wild. But um, but no, it's it's only people that that basically what she tries to do and still tries to do, despite the evidence that it's not going to work, is try to break up good relationships I have with mm. other family members or get in the way and pit people against each other. And at, at this point, it's just it is laughable. I like said it's not it's not actually funny, but you do have yeah. to laugh because you're like, what are you doing? It's not going to work everyone can see right through the game you're just upsetting people unnecessarily because you know there's still upsetting things that are being said but you're not actually gonna be able to to tear apart other relationships not any I mean especially when my brother and I were younger there was a lot of that trying to pit us against each other but unfortunately for her her behavior was so cruel that the two of us always stuck together like glue like it was just not it was never going to work no matter how far she tried. She tried to do it between me and my nan. And uh, it was just always, it was always, I mean, that, but that's what abusers do, isn't it? They I try to isolate you from everybody else so that yeah. they've got ultimate control over you and there's no other input. You know, my nan was a very loving and giving person and that, that wasn't a good thing for my mum and her sort of methods of parenting because if I had confidence and love instilled from me from my nan, it made me more able to view her behavior as not okay. Yeah. And that was, that was a big no, no for her. So yeah, it was, it's it's still, it's ridiculous that it's still happening now, even though I've cut contact, like it's just still trying to get in between, in between people. But yeah. I think that's a pretty, like I'm very much isolated, I guess, already. It was always just me and my mum. I don't have siblings. My dad does have adopted children, but I've never met them. He had them before he passed away. And I I don't have any contact with his side of the family. I don't have any contact 
with my side, my mum's side of the family. Oh God, that's telling, isn't it? We can do a whole episode on how that was his side <laughs> and my side. There you go, you see, that's conditioning for you in example, in yeah. 4K. Um, but I don't have any contact with her side of the family who I used to see, not necessarily because we've fallen out, but just because they mm. don't really know me and were never given the opportunity yeah. to know me. So she's very limited as to who she can try and triangulate or send as a flying monkey against me. And usually mm. it tends to be people who she's made friends with online, people who there was one instance where she'd made friends with a grandma who was a grandparent of one of the kids at school. And um, that was a whole debacle where the grandparent was enabling her to try and get in touch with my kids and absolute nightmare. But it's usually those people who don't know me, would never know me and who have never had anything to do with me, but then are sent to kind of, as you say, these weird Facebook messages from people that you don't know that you're like, had a comment a couple of, oh, it was about a week ago. And I've had this particular commenter before and it was like, you don't seem like a very nice person. Your mum does this. And I'm like, mum, is it you? Are you okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Mummy. It was so bizarre. Um, And I would imagine that will be either my mum on a fake account or Mm. it will be somebody who doesn't know me who knows my mum, which is so weird and bizarre. And like you say, it's any any method to try and isolate you as much as possible yeah and for my mum she can't get to the people that I do have contact with because they're not interested they see her for what she is but from your your side those people still have contact with her as well so there is that hurt caused there I guess especially for them who's kind of in the middle of well your mum said this to me and I'm now kind of coming to you saying this is what's being said but I don't want to hurt you with what's being said but feel you should know yeah it's that it's that kind of I want to keep you in the loop kind of thing I have I have questioned whether or not I should sort of say to people you know what I don't need to know Mm. it's fine I don't need to know at all um I'm not quite there yet I'm still a little bit like I guess if I'm if I'm completely honest I think I'm still clinging on to that little thing that tells me well at least she has feelings about me rather than I've been completely ignored and abandoned like hate is a feeling that's fine yeah I'll (laughs) I'll work on that one in therapy (laughs) (laughs) I'll take it it's fine I um it was weird for a while because I I the my um my Twitter was I kind of I don't really use x whatever it's called I don't really use it anymore now but um that was the place where um where she was sort of gathering a lot of her information and she told people that she had someone else because she doesn't use Twitter apparently so she had someone else who was able to spy for her and I thought do you ever look at yourself and that behavior and think that you are not okay like who does that (laughs) who gathers up people to come and spy and harass your daughter on your behalf so at one point I was like do I actually believe that is it not just her um but yeah, and then and then came through the message from family that um, she's going to sue me for defamation because of things I've put online about my childhood. And I was always very careful. I never mentioned her by name. My legal name is not on any of my social media. None of it would come back to her. But there, it was like, then come the threats. Then it's the threats. Mm. And I know all of it is designed to try and get me to engage in some way because to her, even even a hateful exchange an angry exchange would be something because I guess she's doing the same thing that I I've just admitted that I'm guilty of which is like needing to know there's some she's still able to push my buttons mm. to prove that I do still care in some way um so yeah I, I I need to get to the point where I'm basically saying to people you know what just don't tell me I don't need to know I don't yeah. need to know at all what she's up to what she said about me it's irrelevant um but I guess as well there's there's a kind of feeling of well at least if I know I can kind of get ahead of it if there's anything yeah serious so I don't know it's a tricky one isn't it it's a really tricky one it is it's a really difficult one and it's that you get to a point I think where you are able to say I don't care but there is always that part in the back of your mind that that does care that's how we're wired Mm -hmm. And I think you you might get to a point where you genuinely don't care how she feels about you, but you do care about the impact that she might be able to have on the wider picture, the impact that might be had towards your children. For us, the threats were um, 
towards the kids of I'm going to take you to court to have access mm. to the kids and we were just like you go Glen Coco you try that let's see how far yeah. you get along <laughs> you pop off let's see how far you get along please enjoy yeah. the solicitor fees um and we were very yeah. fortunate that that was both to her solicitor and to ours a, a ludicrous suggestion all things considered mm. Mm. all evidence suggesting and the fact that the eldest child was like I don't want to have to do with a please and thank you so that that was a real kind of non-threat but it was still there yeah and so many people yeah. have those threats of I'm going to sue you for defamation I'm going to sue you so I can get access to your kids I'm going to had I had I've had clients who've had parents who want to sue them for everything that they feel owed and oh. I'm, I'm going to sue you for all the money that I've given you and all the gifts that I've given you. I've added it up yeah. and I'm going to see for this. That is not uncommon. And I've had coaching clients who genuinely have dealt with letters stating that. And when I've pointed out to them that these are not solicitors letters because no yeah. solicitor is going to go for that unless there is a legitimate, I gave you a car on the understanding of you would do X, Y, Z. There right. is, is nothing right. there for them to actually like it, the, my mum used to make a joke of how she was going to add up every like biscuit and every cooked meal and then send me a bill at the end and that was something that her parents used to do to her so one of her younger sisters used to run away every so often when she was called a vixen and it used to be a bit of a family joke they used to say oh you're a vixen and that would upset the child so much that she would say right I'm running mm. away and she'd get like a little bag and in hindsight that's really not funny Horrible. and yet I yeah. remember thinking ha, oh, isn't that funny and how you know she even got me once to say to her younger sister you're a vixen and you could see on my aunt's face of I don't find it funny as an adult and I didn't find it funny as a child but her dad used to sit there and say um oh hang on hang on before you leave the house let me give you the bill and then he'd present her with a bill of like 280,000 biscuits and you've got to work this off. And actually, that was always a bit of a family joke, but it's not funny in the slightest. No. And it really speaks to that level of you owe me and why mm. you then have parents who quite seriously make legal threats of yeah. you're going to owe me and repay me for all of these things that I've done for you. And that's just bonkers. Yeah, yeah, and and using money in, in that sense as well, it's that it's it's a really convenient way for them. They've got this sort of tangible, transactional thing that they can point to in the world. Like, well, this is how things work. I give you something, you pay me for it. It's like so. As a kid, you're kind of like, oh, okay, yeah. I suppose that does kind of make sense. So you, you do feel indebted to them because mm. it's kind of it's the way the world works in general. And there's always that thing of like. Well, no, hang on, because this is my mom and this is my parent. Like, that's aren't aren't they supposed to kind of provide for you because they love you? Yeah. So again, it goes back to that kind of confusion of like, I don't really know what's happening here. Um, and then, and then this is the other thing that I mean, I got leveled against me as well. It's like, well, if you can't, you know, you can't pay me back for the food that I've provided and the clothes I've put on your back. So therefore, the way you pay me back in another way is to basically put up with whatever I throw at you behavior wise. Yeah. It was, it always comes back to that kind of, you know, you've got no, you've got no legs to stand on. You can't argue against me because otherwise I start to withdraw all these services that I'm providing to you. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, we definitely had that. We had, we had threats of, you know, there would be no, no food, no dinner that def and that definitely happened. Like I'd go into school mm -hmm. and be not concentrating and t falling asleep and the teachers would be like, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I didn't have dinner last night. Um, and it is, yeah, clothes, things like that taken away, things taken out the wardrobe, you know, going to school in, in clothes that didn't fit on purpose. Like you're going to go and embarrass yourself because I'm not giving you clothes that fit because you haven't been a good enough daughter in, you know, in her eyes. Mm. It's all, yeah, it's all control and and just making us feel indebted so that we are constantly on this sort of treadmill trying to do what we think needs to be done to earn their love and care it's not yeah. just the love it's the care aspect as well to actually be looked after mm. which ironically that care is just a basic obligation and responsibility not even like from a moral perspective but also a legal mm. one like you're literally just yeah. staying out of jail at this point from yeah. a legal point of view that is your responsibility as a parent 
and yet is so often viewed as you going above and beyond when they have that toxic yeah. mindset, which is really frustrating. Yeah. One of the things as well, that one of the ways that we would sort of get chastised was if, say, for example, we had we had dinner and then we dared to say we were still hungry and wanted some more. That was one of the things where my mom would take it personally and be like, well, you've basically just told me you're not grateful for what I've given you. Mm. But instead of sort of explaining, you know what, money's tight. This is as much as we've got. Um, you're going to have to sort of make do. Instead of that being a conversation that happened, whenever there was a hardship, whenever there was something that was stressing my mom out, it was always put on us as we are horrible, ungrateful children who are being rude to her on purpose. And it would just be a kid going, I'm, I'm hungry, can I have a bit more? Mm. And not understanding what was going on within the household and everything. Um, and I was I was thinking, I was having a discussion with my partner the other day about this. I get very um, get very overwhelmed by like big noises and big movements and stuff yeah. a lot of the time. So when kids are being kids and just bouncing around and bouncing off the walls, I can get really like het up. And yeah. sometimes I will lose my temper and be like, can you just stop? Mm-hmm. And then afterwards I'm like, oh fuck, I blew up. And I'll bring the kids in and I'll be like, I'm sorry, here's why I I blew up. It's not your fault. Don't take it personally. Your kids, you're supposed to be running around. You know, I've got to manage myself better. And that's something, again, where I think, you know, I could find the reason for why my mum would do what she did, but it wasn't an excuse. So I think there were days like that where she was at the end of a tether, tired. Again, she was mm-hmm. a single mum. You know, she was going through a lot. But instead of being like, kids can you just dial it down because I'm not in a good headspace or I've I'm struggling with all the noise it was like you are disgusting children you don't know how to behave you're animals and that's all that stuff as we said at the beginning gets internalized into oh my god I'm a horrible horrible person um and then that gets played on that gets played on even more like once someone figures out that that's that gets them what they want which is for us to shut up Mm-hmm. then it's like, right, good. I'm going to use that again and again and again with absolutely zero thought or care because there is thought, they know what they're doing or care for how that is going to affect the child, not just in the long term, but short term, like then and there, that's very upsetting. Mm-hmm. And so to have a parent deliberately do that is just, like, it's, it's just mind blowing. From my, from my perspective now as a parent as well, like I would never intentionally hurt my kids like that it doesn't matter what my needs were yeah so it is interesting isn't it how they managed to have this talent for picking up on what really hurt you so my mum you my mum's favorite phrases were all the money I wasted on your education and which always made me feel inferior and stupid Mm. and she then ended up making that a joke so that she would say it to me as an adult even when it was, you know, something complete, all oh, the money I wasted on your education, you've come out with that. Um, and then the other one was, you're just like your dad. You grow up being oh. told, yeah, you grow up being <laughs> told that this man is the most hateful, heinous human being. His behavior reflects that in my instance, you know, he was not mm. a good dad at all to me. And I'd seen some really rocky shit with him and his behavior. So I could see that not only reflected from him in his behavior, but then had my mum in my ear amplifying everything. And there was a lot of parental alienation that went on there towards my dad, whilst he also managed to, you know, really dig in the trenches there as opposed to help himself out. Mm. And I think those two phrases were things that she really identified would be hurtful for me. And it was only actually when I started to work on myself and I started to do healing that I, and this was before we cut contact, would stop laughing them off or would stop shutting down with them or would start to say to her, I don't find that funny or don't say that, you know, that's upsetting. And then it was the, you're too sensitive or, oh, you're overreacting again. It's just a joke. Can't you tell, can't you take a joke? And no, actually, that particular joke, I can't. And you know why I can't yeah. take it. And that's on you. And that's the pro- that's the crux of it. You know why I don't take that as a joke, even though actually in the context of what you're saying, it probably is funny to anyone else. You know why it's not. And you created that. And what kind of parent yeah. does that? What kind of parent creates that response in their child to a simple phrase like, you're just like your dad? 
to some people that would be such a compliment or to you know mm. you, all the money I wasted on your education said in jest because you got the wrong color of something or just said yeah. innocently is now such a big deal and I think there is a real knack with toxic parents at being able to pick up on what wounds the most efficiently for oh, them yeah. to be able to get to the point that they want which is either you shutting up and I'm exactly the same as you um, in terms of finding loud noises and things overwhelming at times for me it's more actually in the car I cannot bear if the radio is on to a certain level my husband's talking mm. to me I can't it literally makes my skin feel like it's crawling so yeah I'm, I know, exactly and I know I'm going to get 101 dms here saying have you looked into neurodivergence Harriet because I think yeah. you could be neurodivergent <laughs> I'm not I'm fucking traumatized leave me alone um <laughs> it's a trauma thing but I, I could be I haven't looked into it but equally that is something that really bothers me and actually that my reactions at times have been to you know jump forward and turn down the radio and then snap and the kids are actually more understanding and able to adapt to it when I explain myself that I find my partner is because he's like what the fuck is wrong with you like where did that come from I'm just chatting to you about something normal and now I feel like I've done something wrong whereas if I then say actually it was I was finding this really overwhelming and he knows that now but at the time he Mm. found that really odd and difficult whereas I find kids if we take a moment, pause and explain why we became overwhelmed, explain what happened and apologize if we did act out of turn and be accountable for it. Yeah. Yeah. So accepting of that. And it's modeling to them that you can apologize. My eldest is very good now at turning around and going, sorry, I shouldn't have spoken to you like that. I'm just really. And then he names his emotion, which is something I'm really trying to work yeah. on him with. Name your emotions of I'm really angry with you or I'm really frustrated yeah. with you. And we're going through a dip again at the minute where, you know, like homework and that kind of thing can cause a big mm. moment. But equally, if it's something bigger, we can have those conversations and navigate that together. And I think that's something that's really powerful that we didn't have when we were kids. I agree. And I especially think it's it's good to show kids that parents are not, infallible like we're not perfect Mm. grown-ups are not grown-ups don't have it all together you know it's very hypocritical I've I've always thought for parents to be like can you just keep a lid on everything can you just not Mm. scream and shout because this has happened when we do that all the time Mm -hmm. you know we do lose it sometimes we do end up crying we do end up going ah you know it happens and I think it's good for them to see okay people lose control of their emotions sometimes and then it's about how we deal with that afterwards yeah are you going to then continue to make it everybody else's problem in the room well Mm. you're the reason I've done this and you're the reason I've done that or are you going to say I didn't handle myself well there and that's impacted you and I'm sorry for that and let's talk about it and I hope you feel okay and I don't want you to take it personally Mm -hmm. it's it's not a reflection on you it's my I need to manage things better because then as you say you're modeling to the children the same thing you are going to have times where you lose it kids you are going to have times where everything bubbles over and it's all too much and you might have a reaction that impacts people but then how do you deal with it afterwards how do you remind people that they're safe how do you remind people that it's it's you that's that's dealing with something and it's not them that's been the cause of it they're not a horrible person for causing it it's all of those sorts of things and I think we are modeling better communication to our kids and helping them to get a better handling on things and because of that there are less blow-ups all around not saying it never happens of course of course it happens but there is there are there are because people are are noticing the steps before they get to that point because Mm -hmm. we're giving them the language as well like things like saying look this and this is overwhelming so my eldest the other day he was hearing the noise start to creep up my husband was in the kitchen grinding coffee beans so that was like a sound and then my youngest was singing away and bashing something and uh, my son had the playstation on and then he suddenly went I think this might be getting a bit much for mom, bless him. And he was like, let's, let's figure out how we can, you know, dial this back a bit. Bless him. I was like, you don't have to do that for me. But he was like, no, I think I can, I can, I can get what you're saying now. There's a lot going on all at once. And it's just, it's things like that. It just helps communication within the family and helps everyone to feel better about voicing those emotions. Even when you're feeling a bit like, is it fair of me to kind of ask people to calm down a bit? It's that kind of thing. No, I can, 
I do have the confidence to request that accommodations are made for me here. It's that as well. That's something I never had as a kid, being able to say, you know, this is a bit much for me. I don't like it. It was like, you're going to put up and shut up. Mm. And that's that. So it's that as well, helping your kids realize they're able to speak up for themselves and and talk about their needs as well, because you're doing that for yourself too. Yeah. And there's a huge difference in what you'd said there about him becoming aware of things creeping up and being mindful, as opposed to making Mm. him responsible for how you and looking after how you would feel, which is what I very much had when I was younger. My reactions to my mum and trying to navigate her moods and things were done out of fear, not mindfulness. Whereas what you're Mm. describing there is a real mindfulness of well, yeah, actually it is a bit noisy and it doesn't really need to be. So how can we make sure that everybody here is enjoying the space and being mindful? And they're wonderful things for children to be able to learn. And Mm. they look similar sometimes in when we make children responsible for us. And I think there have been occasions when I look back and I think, well, my mum wasn't aware that she was making me responsible for that. Or if she was, I'm still not seeing that she was aware of it. Maybe I need to work on that in therapy. But I think there Mm. are occasions when it was just born out of frustration for her or it was born out of a need to be heard when she wasn't being. But it's still not okay that she made me responsible for it. But to model mindfulness is huge and a completely different way of being. It's led by the child. And that's really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I love, I really love seeing them as well. The two of my kids being able to sit, like talk about their own needs. Like my son, he's, um, he's someone who, who vocally kind of, he lets off steam by sort of being vocal and making funny noises and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I also do that, but when we're doing it, when one of us is doing it, invariably it's when the other one is overwhelmed with sound. And so we had a conversation a few weeks back where I said to him, I was like, can you maybe like dial it back a bit or can you go to your room for a bit and play up there and then you can be as loud as you want. Um, And then he turned around and he said, but you know, mum, sometimes I'm trying to concentrate on doing something and you're, you know, skiddly bop bop diddling in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and it's annoying me. And he was like, but I, I've not really said that to you before. So he's like, so now can I, if you're doing it and it's getting on my nerves or interrupting my concentration, can I say to you, actually, mum, can you take that elsewhere or can you maybe try and hold it back a bit? And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, absolutely. Of course we can have that conversation because it's, it's about, it's just about teaching each other how to compromise with each other's needs, but then also setting those limits for ourselves. Like being able to like with my son, I'm more able at my age to, hold that in I don't need to be making those noises it helps me to calm down and regulate I can rein it in you are less able at your age to rein Mm -hmm. it in so yeah absolutely we're gonna we're gonna find the meeting point in the middle and we're gonna experiment and we're gonna figure this out together Uh, but yeah that's something that just never happened but I and I I guess you know my mum's generation they never had the language to sort of talk about things like that about you know emotional regulation and Mm. and the ways in which we do all that um, but it's just still, no matter what, it's still a shame that the way round that sort of overstimulation was to basically make the child feel like they were a nuisance. Yeah, that's that's the thing. That's what it always came down to. That was the quickest way to get things the way she wanted them to be was to make us feel like a nuisance and to hide away and quiet and clab up. Mm. And that's not OK. That's that's something that I don't want for my kids or any kids. Yeah, that is the unhealthy way of doing things for definite and to make Mm. someone feel like their self-worth is based upon how much they are annoying you or what they are able to do for you at that time. They're the messages that we used to get and hopefully the messages that we are breaking the cycle and passing on. Mm. Cara, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. You have been a wonderful guest. Thank you. Can you let people know where they can find you? Yeah, I'm mostly on Instagram and threads now because it's much nicer than Twitter. Um, it's the yeah. same username, so it's at Cara underscore Mac B, M-A-C-B. Brilliant. That's great. Well, thank you so much, guys, for listening. And I will speak to you again next week. Bye. Bye. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.